So never mind. Okay, number one. Although hypocrites and other unregenerate men may vainly deceive themselves with false hopes and carnal presumptions of being in the favor of God in a state of salvation, which hope of theirs shall perish, yet such as they as truly believe in the Lord Jesus and love him in sincerity, endeavoring to walk in all good conscience before him, may in this life be certainly assured that they are in a state of grace and may rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, which hope shall never make them ashamed." So that's the first section. You shall be assured of this uh, salvation and uh, that you're in the estate of it and assured of God's favor and uh, that uh, as you walk in this, um, you can be assured of the state of grace. Now, second section, it says, this certainly is not a bare conjectural and probable persuasion grounded upon a fallible hope, but an infallible assurance of faith founded upon the divine truth of the promises of salvation. The inward evidence of those graces unto which these promises are made, the testimony of the spirit of adoption, witnessing with our spirits that we are children of God, which spirit is the earnest of our inheritance, whereby we are sealed to the day of redemption. All right, now let's stop there real quick and let's pray and ask the Lord to bless this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for pouring your love into the hearts of your people. We thank you for the spirit <laughs> Uh, the earnest of our inheritance. We thank you for the uh, peace that we share with you because of your work and how we know you and we feel closeness to you and we express that in love toward you and others. And so we ask today that you would uh, grant us assurance of grace, assurance of salvation rooted in your promises and that this morning we would be full of joy uh, in what you might do and accomplish in and through us today working in us this assurance of our salvation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, we talked about once saved, always saved. This idea, as we were discussing it, we looked at uh, that uh, it says here that this is in second uh, section, it says this certainty is not a bare conjectural and probable persuasion. <laughs> so uh, when he says that, uh, it's, not, it's not like this mantra we might say, um, it's not probable. It's grounded upon uh, uh, or grounded upon a fallible hope. It's an infallible hope, infallible assurance of salvation. Now, here are the things that it's founded upon. We're talking about assurance of salvation. They're going to list out things that 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 we base our assurance of salvation on. Next, and look at as you go through line two, it says it's founded upon the divine truth of the promises of salvation. So before you start to look at, can I know that I'm saved? Can I know that I'm in the state of salvation? The first place you're going to go is to he who promises faithful. God made promises. You know, and so he will fight the battles. The Lord Most High will, will, will give you deliverance. As you, as you see in the Old Testament, the people would be following behind the cloud of God's glory. And when the cloud would stop, they would stop. When the cloud would go, they would go. And the assurance was that uh, it's just kind of like, guys, just wait. Watch God. He's going to give you the victory. You know, he may tell you to do some things, but, but the issue is believe God. He will give you the victory. And many times they're fighting battles that they're not actually fighting, but they're watching God win the battles for them. God is the infallible hope of our salvation because he's the one who accomplishes the salvation. So we go to God and who he is. And so this is sort of like when you get to chapter 18, it's sort of like, well, should we have assurance of grace and salvation? Well, it's kind of like, 
duh, duh of course, like because we've read everything earlier, like the first 17 chapters of the confession. So as you look at who God is and how he is how he's behaving in history uh, and what he's revealed to us in his scriptures, yes, we should have assurance of salvation. It's founded upon the divine truth and the promises of salvation in scripture. And then you see they turn to the inward evidences of those graces upon which these promises are made. And it footnotes there, 2 Corinthians 1.12, 2 Peter uh, 1, 4 and 5, and then 10 and 11. And then you see there 1 John again, 2 and 3, which you read last time. It says there, there are going to be inward evidences of those graces upon which the promises are made. And then it says, particularly, the testimony of the spirit of adoption, witnessing with our spirits that we are children of God. So, so, you, so you can see inward evidence. What would be inward evidence that, you've, that you would take uh, heart in? Um, when you th- or let's, we'll start, we'll start with the divine truth of the promises first. Let's go there. Uh, what are some like rock-solid verses that help you to have assurance of your salvation? Anyone, anyone got one that comes to mind immediately? We're looking for verses. You are saved by grace, through faith, not by works, lest no man boast. Right? These are the, like so. Second, I'm thinking like uh, Ephesians two eight nine. Uh, I would think about you know Romans three one through twenty six. Uh, those are big ones. Anyway, any other thought? I mean, each and every week we do a, a confession of sin where we lay out our sins uh, generally and then particularly, and then we hear a promise from God's word about His forgiveness of our sins and His power to change us and. Uh, restore us and redeem us and reconcile us and everything and all the other things. Yes, those are helpful to take those. Yeah, as infallible promises. His infallible promise. He's infallible. His promises are infallible. Those are two, there's a couple. Any other thoughts? No one uh, was no one can snatch us out of his hand. Yes. Yeah. So like I would think uh, John ten twenty eight twenty nine, uh, and then Romans eight. Like we, I think we mentioned last week of the. Uh, shall any of these things separate us from the love of God? No, not height, their principalities, or depths, or anything else in this world, in creation, can separate us from God's love. Um, he has us in His hand, uh, and nothing can snatch us. The Father and the Son are one, as uh, John ten uh, thirty says. Uh, now, um, as you think about those, there, there's, there's it, it, everyone kind of needs a. Like, uh, it, it's hard to fight this battle if you don't have uh, an anchor in truth. You know, like if you're just looking internally, if you're looking at like, how do I feel? Uh, how do I feel like I'm doing? And uh, like, if I don't have like something I can look at and say, well, yeah, that's where it says that. It says that right there. And I know it. And it's in my heart and I'm treasuring it. It's really hard to have joy. It's really hard to have joy, right? Uh, you know, because you, you have to know uh, that you know that you know. Uh, and so what is the foundation of, of knowing? Uh, well, we can be deceived about a lot of things. We talked about that last time. About how it's easy to be deceived and it's easy to to have false hopes, and it says carnal presumptions of being in the favor of God. Now, as Romans 11 spoke about when we, re- when we went through that many, many months ago now, but it talked about how the, um, the Israelites sought righteousness diligently, but did not obtain it. And the Gentiles, who did not seek it, have obtained it. This is the, so, we, like, so it's like we weren't even like trying, and, and God gave us this blessing of righteousness. And that's because it occurred in the work of Christ for us. And it's received as it's you know, preached to us in the gospel. And we believe it and trust in it and hope in it. Okay, so as you think about that, that's the divine truth of the promises of salvation. 
Then we've got the inward evidences of those grace. Now, what are those? Uh, anybody got any ideas about those? The inward evidences. What, what's it again? What, uh, the second thing, what, what, beyond the divine truth of the promises, we also have to supplement that, and on the second line there, the last part of the second line of part two, uh, it says the inward evidences of those graces unto which these promises are made. And what, what do you, so I'll tell you this, uh, two of the guys who've been with us the longest here at, this, at the church plant, uh, Ross and Cody last week, uh, encouraged me with scriptures uh, that spoke to this. And I'm like, that's, that's a great example of what we're talking about here. Uh, they have internalized uh, scriptures, have studied the word, and, and, are, and it impacts them, uh, their hearts, and it impacts my heart. So they're, as they're ministering to me the gospel, uh, that's, uh, that would say, I would say that's, that's a great inward evidence of the grace uh, which the promises are made. So, uh, you know, as you are feeling and thinking differently than you were, talked about how I used to hate worship, and now it's like, this is a joy. This is a pleasure. This is, this is awesome that I, that I get called to, to be able to do this. Uh, so as you think about the, the way you've changed, you can look at those things as inward evidences of the grace that's promised. Okay, uh, and then thirdly, uh, the testimony of the spirit of adoption, witnessing with our spirits that we are the children of God. Now, I don't understand this one exactly. You know, it's like the, the spirit mystically unites me to Christ and him to me. And I'm able to, as Romans 8, 15 and 16 says, cry out, Abba, Father, right? Uh, so let's, let's read that one real quick. Would, you, would someone pull up Romans 8, 15 and 16? And then while while someone's getting that one, uh, the, uh, um, yes, sir. I was thinking the the letters are, are the letters before or after, like the references. The references are so if you see uh, C and then D, D would be uh, everything before. Yes, before. Okay. Like yeah, yeah. So so supporting what came before it. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, I, I was I was confused. I was thinking, but like on the B, yes, know, inward evidences. We were talking last week. You know about the first John yes passage. yes um, and you know first John 2 3 or whatever it is uh, yep that we obey his commandments. we know interested that we obey his commandments mm-hmm. and we were talking about kind of what that is and what it mm-hmm. looks like but when we when we read further into John we our default is to think that the commandments is what? The Ten Commandments, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what we default to think that it is. But down in uh, chapter 3, he, he, he says specifically what he's referring to by the commandments. And in, uh, that's in verse uh, 22, 22 and 23, and whatever we ask for receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Mm-hmm. So we think keep his commandments. We, we keep the law, right? Yeah, yeah. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Mm-hmm. So, in this part in First John, it is not referring to we look to how we keep the commandments. Mm-hmm. It's we look to that we believe in the son, mm-hmm. and we love one another. Yeah, you can't, you can't do it. Yeah, you can't keep it enough to... Right, right? yeah, because it... Yeah, it, you, you will never... Mm-hmm. If we understand the holiness of God and what the actual law requires, mm-hmm. we're never going to look to ourselves and think, ah, we do a pretty good job. Yeah, check that one. We shouldn't. You know, either if we mm-hmm. do, 
we have a we, we have lowered the view of who mm-hmm. God is and we've you know raised the view of yeah. how good we think we are. Sure. So the commandment is actually though that we believe. Yeah. And and keep and, and love and one another. Yeah, 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 right. So which all that's all like your your believing is gonna mean, hey, I'm gonna glorify God, right? I'm gonna love him, I'm gonna repent, I'm going to uh worship him, I'm going to uh, sacrificially give to others. These are just things that you would do. I mean, something you would actually do. But but you believe it to be yeah. true. You believe right. that of course. you have a need for the Son, and yeah. you believe His righteousness satisfies right. God, and His you know death on the cross satisfies. And us believing yes. is is assurance, like the fact that we believe that. Amen. So, yeah, you could you couldn't possibly even like, like have any assurance if you're. If you're not believing in, in God, right? It's because it, at that point it is about what I do, what I uh, how I perform, and this is the great news. The gospel is that <laughs> what all the fitness He requires is that you feel your need of Him. That's a that's a, a word from an old hymn, and it's like that the fitness is you must rest and rely and trust in and believe what He is offering to you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, this is affirmation of your inward assurance. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, I, I found myself, especially over the course of the last few years, looking at the world through a biblical perspective. Mm-hmm. So then everything's always measured mm-hmm. by what the scripture says. So my, I'm constantly going, well, that's not what the Bible says. Mm-hmm. That's not what I should do. Yeah. So you're constantly looking at the world. Very helpful. And almost dividing yourself or pushing yourself away from it. I don't belong so that's to this. My assur- yeah. I don't belong mm-hmm. here. Yeah, yeah. Like, ooh. Yeah, and that's so that's my assurance mm-hmm. in a way is that he gave me that gift yeah. to recognize. Yeah. You, you're cry- In a sense, you're crying out, Abba, Father. You're, you're, you're like, help, help me. Deliver me. I'm not... I'm not going to get what I need from from the things of this life uh, apart from Him. I am lost and and you know in need, and that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Like so, when you look at the biblical uh, lens, it's saying, "Hey, consecrate yourself to God. Your God's going to dwell with you. You need to be different. You need to be set apart." And, and so, your your instruction for that is not uh, just the the way the world does everything. You know, it's what the scriptures say. I mean, so I, I actually care. Uh, deeply about what the scripture says, uh, and, and yeah, that's a big deal. Um, I, I want. I mean, so here's the thing. So, so uh, just a, a quick analogy. Um, I've been awkward about the uh, the candles before the service, lighting the candles, and Meredith called me out on this. She's like, like, just say what you mean. Is essentially what she's saying. It's like, so, so I believe that Jesus says when we were to worship Him, just do what He says in worship. And so. I don't see any any scriptural basis for adding a bunch of candle lighting into the services because that's not one of the things he says, do this in remembrance of me or, or continue to do these things. So, so I'm just like, I want to put the candles up because I think they're cool. I don't, I don't, I'm not putting them in worship. I'm not, we're not, this is not an act of worship. It's not Jesus. It's like, so I believe that only things that are authorized by God in worship should be done. Why do I believe that? Because I deeply love and care about God because he saved me and I want to do exactly what he wants me to do. You know what I'm saying? So, so there's like, so that's a, that's believing, that's faith. It's just like, I know, hey, candles might be, you know, you know something people like and identify with, but we're not going to do the, the whole, the traditional thing. That's just not, I can, my conviction is we're not going to do it that way. Uh, so, but we're, we're using it as decoration. It's, you know, it's illumination. It's, it's not, um, it's not what, what I used to see it as in the, uh, in the way I used to do church. So does that make sense? I'm, am I, am I kind of explaining it? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, why would you? Why would you not like candles? Why would you not like having candles? So, I, it's like, it's like, it's just like I, I want to scrutinize over those details because I care. I, I, I deeply care, and I, and I feel like it's a, it's a calling and leading in worship to, to do the right thing that God prescribes, not what I think might be a good idea. You know, I think that only, I'm only authorized to go as far as God prescribes, and that's why our order of worship is, is what it is. I mean, it, what we do each and every week, we feel like we have a a mandate from Jesus to do. Uh, so, okay, so illumination is part of part of it. So we're, before we worship, we're illuminating the, the, the room differently. It's a little bit of a difference uh, there. So, all right, so, and reading some scripture, never wrong with that. So, all right, so let's uh, let's consider that. that. I would think that just that you care about that. I mean, some people would say, well, well you're such a Pharisee. <laughs> like, I was like, 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 well, I'm not just doing the law in order to, to, um, justify myself, you know, or to seek righteousness through my actions. I'm doing that because of gratitude and thankfulness and joy and who God is and seeking to consecrate all that I am to him. I'm a living sacrifice now, therefore, because of his mercy. So in light of what he's done, I'm trying to do the best I can in my particular calling to honor him. That's what, that's all I'm trying to do here. I'm not trying to make God love me more by not doing the traditional Advent candle situation in our church. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's because of the faith that's been given to you to believe, right? Yeah, and right. Because we can look, when we look at those, whatever those external things, mm-hmm. there, there is, we can all, we all know people that look no different than we do externally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. There's, a, there's a bunch of people that are very moralistic, maybe very more, more moralistic than I am. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean that they are in Christ. Right. Uh, it has strictly no, no externals, bearing. yeah. Strictly externals, right? I mean, that, that's, uh, Jesus says, uh, you know, look at those Pharisees. I mean, you you must exceed their righteousness. Well, like, but they're the most righteous people I know. I mean, externally, right? Uh, right. So the, the issue is, you can't do it. Uh, Christ's righteousness has to be yours because theirs isn't sufficient. Uh, you you and I have to have uh, a deep uh, conviction that our assurance does not exist in what I do. It's what Christ did, uh, and that's why we, we preach the active and passive obedience of Christ that he passively obeyed by laying down his life as a sacrifice for sins as a substitution and that he actively obeyed all the demands of the law thereby by imputation by accreditation by accounting I am now justified to dwell with God and he's justified his dwelling with me because of what Christ's work is and what it is on my account as Abraham uh, believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness it wasn't because the belief wasn't the thing that changed him or that changed the relationship. The belief is the obedience. It is the, the you know, the, what is required of him, but that is not the thing that, that would uh, justify Abraham. What justifies Abraham, same thing that justified you and me, Jesus, Jesus. What Jesus did actively and passively for you and me, and that's applied uh, through uh, the work of the Spirit, uh, helping us to uh, uh, embrace it, changing our hearts, and then we believe uh, we are, in a, as it says, justified by faith, meaning not a, well, not what I did. I'm looking at what Jesus did. Okay. Uh, okay, so thinking about that, so it says here that this testimony of the Spirit helps me to know that I am His because I cry out to Him, Father. That's, a, that's what we're doing. We're seeking to glorify our Father in heaven. We want, it, we want His help. We want to honor Him as, as appropriately, and that's what we're talking about here. And, and that's the, uh, the last one here. It says, which spirit is the earnest of our inheritance, whereby we are sealed to the day of redemption. 
Can someone pull up uh, Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, please? Ephesians 1, 13. Yes, sir. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and you believed in him, were sealed with the promise, with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Beautiful. Yeah, now as you think about this, this is following in kind of a, a long sentence, the end of the long sentence, uh, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. And it really has three main uh, partic particles of this uh, sense, which number one, God chose you in him before the foundation of the world that you might be holy and blameless. In love, he chose you, he predestined you. That's the first thing. And then it says, in Christ, we have the forgiveness of sins through his blood, right? And then it speaks about, well, we receive these things when the Spirit uh, connects us to these things, and then His indwelling us is a seal of our salvation. It's a seal. Uh, what is a seal? The mark once and for all. Yeah, you're, you're, you're authentic, right? You're authenticated. Uh, you are, uh, uh, for instance, this is directly from the King. This is His. I'm, I'm His. I'm, I'm owned by Him, and, and I, I demonstrate Him. And that's what, so, so because of the Spirit, we have the earnest of the Spirit, the inheritance, the earnest of our inheritance, it is guaranteed because He dwells in us, and we see that evidence. But honestly, the thing that is uh, the, uh, the earnest or the seal is not what we're doing. It is the Spirit Himself, the person of God, who is our seal. Uh, we have the person of God. In and with us, and that's the that's the, how can God deny Himself, right? This is it. This is I mean, like there is no further uh, evidence you need to have assurance of salvation than how can God deny Himself? Himself is in you. He is united to you. He can't deny Himself. That is the that's the best news you could hear. Is that man in eternity before anything exists, God knew me. He foreloved me. He sent His Son in time and history and uh, just at the right time when the fullest time came to. Have to be born of a woman under the law to make us adopted. And then thirdly, we have himself dwelling in us. Uh, there is so, so he, before we existed in time and history, and now in us, God has given us every reason for assurance of salvation. But that isn't always the case. So we're going to feel that. Okay, so let's look at this. Okay, so third thing. The, it says in the third section, this infallible assurance doth not so belong to the essence of faith, Okay, so you, th you see that. Okay, faith ought to believe and ought to have assurance. But it says here that it doesn't belong to the essence of faith, but that a true believer may wait long and conflict with many difficulties before he be a partaker of it. Yet, being enabled by the Spirit to know the things which are freely given him of God, he may, without extraordinary revelation, in the right use of ordinary means, attain thereunto. So he's saying, no, don't. this is not some second baptism of the Holy Spirit or some kind of like, extraordinary dream you might have or some kind of you know extra extra revelation that that's going to give you this what they're saying is just the normal things you do as a christian corporate worship church life fellowship prayer uh study the scriptures etc the right use of ordinary means you may attain this infallible assurance that i know that i know that i am in this state of grace and salvation and it says continuing Therefore, it is the duty of everyone to give all diligence to make his calling and election sure, that thereby his heart may be enlarged 
in peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, in love and thankfulness to God, and in strength and cheerfulness in the duties of obedience, the proper fruits of this assurance, so far as is it from inclining men to looseness. Uh, okay, uh, as you consider that, I just I, one thing that stands out to me there is that uh, you know through the diligent usage of these things uh, that his heart may be enlarged in peace and joy. I just I, I, I found myself praying that uh, for myself and brothers that our hearts might be enlarged in peace and joy in the Holy Ghost, and, and love and thankfulness to God, and strength and cheerfulness. These are the these are the blessings that that come from God as He has united himself to us. We use these means. Uh, and, and my uh, mentor, Bebo, used to tell me that's like, when you think about the means of grace, why, does your, why should your church be centered on the means of grace? Because the means of grace are the, the place that God guarantees he's going to work. Like, so it's, think about you. It's like if God is, is uh, driving a dump truck, so to speak, uh, he's going to dump the load somewhere, and you want to be where that is. You know, where, if you need what's in there, you want to be where he's going to end up and... and distribute what he's carrying which is grace yeah so to speak so you want to be where that ordinarily happens which is using the diligent use of means of grace uh, the dump truck thing just always resonated with me i don't know why that is maybe because uh, i love dump trucks as a little kid you know so but but the, it's like it's and it's not that we have uh you know it's like uh, you know, we got to be careful speaking like that right because uh the the uh the catholic uh roman catholic church of the medieval age uh, believed that you could be infused with these uh, graces by your uh, participation in the, um, the sacraments uh, and by the uh, work of the church. We don't believe that, that it's necessary that you will receive uh, what those things hold out by the bare participation in them. We believe they must be received by faith, trust, belief, resting on the promises, the things that they're pointing to. Uh, and that's where you will. So, so they're worthless to you if you don't receive them by faith. If you don't, you're not using them. And and, and that's that's the um, that's the joy that we have here is that God gives us a structure for our lives, a uh, you know a place where He works, uh, and that's um, that's ordinarily how that happens. Okay. Uh, fourth and finally, I want to read this before we discuss at the very end here. Uh, it says, "True believers may have the assurance of their salvation in diverse ways shaken." diminished and intermitted as by negligence and persevering of it by falling into some special sin which woundeth the conscience and grieveth the spirit by some sudden or vehement temptation by God's withdrawing the light of his countenance and suffering even such as fear him to walk in darkness and to have no light. Yet are they never utterly destitute of that seed of God and life of faith, that love of Christ and the brethren that sincerity of heart and conscience of duty, out of which, by the operation of the Spirit, this assurance may in due time be revived, and by that, by by the which, in the meantime, they are supported from utter despair. So you see what he's saying here. He's saying that look, you may lose your assurance. It may uh, be shaken, diminished, intermitted by all these circumstances, all these reasons, right? But yet. It says in the fourth line, middle of it, we're never destitute utterly of the seed of God, the life of faith, the love of Christ, and the brethren. And so we, sh- we can uh, be uh, revived. and There, there can be a, an internal revival uh, that God works in you, that you could re- have your assurance of God's love re- reestablished and, and, and brought about. So that's good news. 
one one particular example I would really love you to to take a take some time and look at is well all these but you know like go through the, the, the scriptures but uh, Psalm uh, 22 and Psalm 88 these <clears throat> prayers of uh, I'm destitute uh, 88 ends is part of the darkest position in the Bible of darkness is my only friend and as you think about the the, the way that's a, that's a real prayer by a believer and that's the situation is that we're going to feel those dark uh, nights of the soul in our lives this is this many of us will and and that's that's uh, something that uh, God has ordained ultimately for his glory for good certainly but uh, those are not pleasant experiences and we, and we and we when we feel those darkness moments we can go back to God's at work and, and I, all I have is, is his words and his, and his and prayers and his people and I can lean into those things and God will work through those things the ordinary means of grace to reestablish and revive me I think that's a good that's a good way to to end it because we run out of time actually so that's the good best way to end it is we're out of time and we need to hustle because the children are going to be singing at the beginning of the service is that correct yeah okay so we want to be singing uh, or listening to them here and hearing that and, and being ready to worship so let's yeah, if you have questions, let's talk about it. Email after church. Happy to help. Happy to have more discussion about assurance of salvation, uh, and we'll move on next time to uh, the law of God and works and things of that nature. So let's uh, let's pray. Our heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we ask that this morning you would help us wherever, whatever state we find ourselves in, uh, as far as our emotional awareness and intellectual awareness of your grace. Uh, help us to be founded not in those things uh, ultimately but in your promises and assurances of you that we cannot be separated from you because you have bound yourself to us that you dwell in us and that the spirit is the earnest of our salvation or the earnest of our inheritance so we pray that this morning you would work in us those graces stir them up enlarge our hearts into joy and peace and thankfulness and gratitude and love uh, that we might uh, bless you as you bless us we ask it in jesus name amen, amen. Let's rock and roll.